guys thank you so much for being here today it is good to see you i hope that you've had a great week and uh, you are ready for a great time of worship can i can i go ahead and tell you something you're going to get out of what we do today exactly what you expect to get out of it if you came here not really looking for anything except just to sing a few songs and hear the preacher stomp and snort uh you're probably going that's what you're going to take home out of it you're going to get that uh, but if you came today uh, to experience the presence of God, that's what you'll get. 
So it's, it's up to you as an individual as to what you take away from us today. And uh, my prayer is that you have come with a desire to worship, a desire to praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to experience His presence, and to feel His touch upon your life, for Him to do something within you that's going to transform you and, and make you uh, more into His image. That's what I pray you've come here looking for today. But I'm glad that you were here. Uh, I hope that uh, uh, we will be able to worship together in spirit and in truth here very shortly. Hope you picked up a, a bulletin. A lot of things going on uh, that you need to know about. Uh, this coming Saturday, I have thrown down the gauntlet. I'm not going to slap you with the gloves, but I have thrown down the gauntlet. And I've dared you to come beat me in putt-putt next Saturday. Uh, we're going to leave the church at 6 o'clock, Jerry, 6 o'clock. We're going to leave the church at 6 o'clock. Uh, if you want to ride with us, uh, or excuse me, yep, 6 o'clock. If you want to ride with us, you're welcome to come. Uh, it's about a 35-minute drive over to the place. And even if you're not going to ride the, the, the uh, bus with us, because we can only put 15 in it, if you come, it may be that we can carpool together. Uh, and for those that can't get on the bus, we can carpool together and make our way there. And so uh, I'm daring you to come beat me and Putt-Putt next Saturday, okay? Uh, so I hope you'll take up that challenge, and we'll have a great time. I have to leave that cold many times for you. Yeah, hey, there you go. Well, Just saying. Uh, and if you're worried about the extreme heat, if you haven't been there, I will tell you, the first nine holes are the only time you will have to beat the heat, because after that you get to go underground into air conditioning. So there you go. I can beat you in heat. I can beat you in air conditioning. It don't matter. <laughs> Temperature, it doesn't affect my game, okay? Uh, fermented uh, communion juice does, though I will tell you that. I have gotten more remarks off of that this week. And, you know, everybody wants to be remembered for something in their ministry as pastors. I don't want that to be what I'm remembered for here. Uh, long after I'm gone, y'all were talking to each other and talking about, you remember that time preacher got a hold of some bad grape juice uh, during communion? I don't want that to be what you remember me about me, okay? Uh, but uh, do read your bulletin. All these announcements are very important. Uh, we've got our back-to-school celebration. We're, we're trying to collect school supplies. I mean, all of that's in here. Make sure you read those announcements. There is one announcement that's not in your bulletin that I'm going to ask Kevin Allman if he will come up and uh, just share with you. And let me do that because he's a little bit taller than I am. There we go. Just a little. Um so a couple of months ago, I went uh, with my, my home church, Central Church of God, the church I grew up with, uh, and they do a skeet shoot every year, and great time. I was out at, uh, in Polkton, and I thought, why don't we do that? So I'm trying to organize a skeet shooting, I call it, it's not really a tournament, just to get together. It'll be... Preliminary. This is a bunch of this stuff is preliminary. It's at the Hyatt Farms Shooting Complex. I'm sure some of y'all have been. It's in Polkton on September 30th. That's the last Saturday in September. Like I say, a lot of this is up in the air as far as the cost. I'm trying to keep it as low cost as possible. It's probably going to be around like $65 a person. That's for 100 rounds of clays and... 
the plan right now is to come back here and have uh, a big lunch. My my dad has offered to smoke a bunch of Boston butts, and I'm sure I can get it some other people to help bring some stuff. But I think it'd be a great time. Um, I'm gonna leave a sign-up sheet that my lovely wife made. It has you you put your name, your number, email address. I'm gonna put my name and number on here if you want to reach out to me. Uh, if you call me, I'm not going to answer. I'm a millennial. Leave, leave me a message. I will probably call you back. Text me. That'd be the best way if you have any other questions. Um, just, you know, have fun. We're going to have teams. Um, I'm probably going to get some prizes, but I think it'd be a great thing for us to do as a, as a church. So tell your family, tell your friends. I think it'd be a great time. So sign up. Thank you. And watch me school Chris High. <laughs>
Well, let's stand together and continue to lift our voices in praise. Good Lord in prayer. God, I was reminded this past week of what your word says in Matthew 7 that you tell us not to worry about tomorrow. And God, with that in mind, I just pray that you'd help us to focus on today, focus on what Pastor Tommy has to say to us. Let us be receptive to his word. And I pray that you would take our tithes and offerings, expand your kingdom with it, and just we pray that you would bless the remainder of our service. We pray so in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue to sing together. Praise the Lord. 
to be seated. How about now? You know what that means? I was singing with my microphone on. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for taking care of me, Aaron. Yeah, y'all were, that would have been, that would have been, but y'all thought y'all had a show last week with that. Uh, yeah, if they'd heard me sing, that would have been even worse. But if you have your Bibles, would you join me in the book of Philippians chapter number two? Philippians chapter number two. <clears throat> Today we're going to pick up where we left off last week. As we are looking at the anchored life, we've defined the anchored life as a life that is firmly rooted and grounded in the Word of God, a life that is saturated, if you will, with the truth of God's Word. That's what anchors us in this world. It was a tough week in that we had a lot of different things that, that went on in the life of our church. And, and Friday, I was reminded as I, I sat in, in a hospital room and uh, as we were on death watch with one of our members, Scripture just kept being quoted over and over again by the people in the room. And I thought, man, what an anchor on a day like today. What an anchor. Were hearts broken? Yes. Were people sad? Yes. Were people uh, distraught because a loved one was going home and leaving them? Yes. But what an anchor. As the Word of God just kept being quoted over and over and over throughout the day. Every time someone would become uh, melancholy, another would quote scripture and the and the, and you could just feel the presence of God in the room as he lifted the spirits of those who were in that room that day the anchored life is so important you need it i need it so today we're going to be looking at the difference in daily living that an anchored life can make in philippians chapter number 2 beginning in verse number 12 
Paul writes these words. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory, because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. But even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. For, two, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you've given us an anchor. That when life tosses us to and fro, when the winds of adversity begin to blow, when the storms of life threaten to sink us, you've given us an anchor. An anchor that can hold us steady. An anchor that can give us confidence. That can help us to withstand anything that the world may throw at us. We thank you for your word. That is truth. It is life. It encourages us. It builds us up. It challenges us. It corrects us when we're wrong. It brings us hope and peace in the world in which we live. Thank you for our anchor. Lord, today... Show us how you want us to use this anchor every day so that we can be more like our Savior Jesus Christ. For it's in that name we pray. Amen. I think you would agree with me on this truth. The easiest day to live the anchored life, at least for most believers anyway, is Sunday. That's the easiest day. It's that Monday through Saturday struggle that makes living the anchored life so difficult. For some reason, many of us are nicer to each other. We're more cordial toward others. We're more in tune with God's Word on Sundays than we are any other day of the week. But herein lies the rub, the Living the authentic anchored life is a 24-7, 365 responsibility. We are to be just as anchored in God's Word on Monday as we are on Sunday. Because, just, be, just because our, our, our proximity to this building is different doesn't mean our responsibility has changed. So how can being anchored in God's Word help us live differently in a daily life, not just on Sundays? And I'm so glad you asked that question because that's the question I want to answer for you today. But before I jump into that, I just want to, before we unpack this, I think there's, 
one key fact that we need to notice about verse 12. Verse 12 starts with, therefore. Or maybe the translation you have in front of you says, uh, so then. But the very purpose of those, that opening in verse 12 is to connect what has just been said with what is coming next. In other words, it's linking the two together. And you'll remember last week we talked about that the anchored life was found in the single mind and the submissive mind. So we understand that what we're about to read, how we're going to to live the anchored life 365 is predicated on those verses that came before it. We have to have the single mind and the submissive mind before we can start living the daily anchored life. So with that in mind, let's, let's answer that question. How can having that single mind, that submissive mind, empower us to live the anchored life daily? Well, the first thing I think Paul points out to us in these verses is that it enables us to regard our sanctification. Now, here's what I mean by that. Regard means, to regard something means to pay very close attention to it. That it's, it's at the center of your focus. It's not, it's not in the peripheral. It's not something that you pull out every now and then to, to study. It is always before you. You are regarding it. You are paying close attention to it. And, and through the Apostle Paul, God is reminding us that our sanctification is to be regarded, paid attention to daily. Now, sanctification, that's a great church word. But it is the process of God transforming our life into the image of Jesus. That's what sanctification is. It is Him transforming every part of our life. from our attitudes to our actions to everything about us to reflect the person of Jesus Christ. That's sanctification. And he's telling us to regard it daily. This is him chipping away everything in our life that doesn't look like the holy life of Christ. Now, Paul is not telling us in verse 12 that we are to work for our salvation. That is not what he's saying. But what he is saying is that we are to work out our salvation. Now, here's how he explains that process. Excuse me. First of all, he explains it by helping us understand that sanctification is an inside-out process. Look with me again at verse number 12. So then, my beloved... Just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. It's an inside-out process. See, here's what happens. This beautiful thing happens. The moment you surrender your life to Jesus, the moment you repent of your sins, you acknowledge that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, and you turn from your sins, and you turn to Jesus, in that very moment, something amazing happens to us, and that is that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, takes up residence in our life instantaneously. 
He is now not just with us, He's in us. And the process of sanctification is an inside-out job. You see, before He can start changing our behaviors, He has to start changing our desires. He has to start changing our attitudes. He starts changing the way we view things, our perspective of things. All of that is internal work. He begins chipping away and changing and making those things more like Jesus. Now, as a, as a, as a result of that, our outward motions, actions, attitudes, and body begins to take on what's taking place Inwardly. It's an inside-out process. That's what it means to work out your salvation. Do you have Jesus as your Savior? If the answer is yes, you have the Holy Spirit living in your life. And if you have the Holy Spirit living in your life, He is going to start transforming you on the inside To be more like Jesus. And then it's going to start working its way out. So that it becomes obvious to everyone else. Of what Jesus is doing. On the inside. But it's not only an inside out process. He tells us in verse 13. That that sanctification that we are to regard. Is a divine process. In other words, only God can make that change in you that works its way out of you. Only God, through the power and the working of the Holy Spirit, can do that. Now, here's what I mean. You might be able to clean up your act. You may be even able to turn over a new leaf. But the one thing you cannot do for yourself is transform yourself into the image of Jesus. You cannot do that on your own. You can't do that in your power. You can't do that in your strength. You can't do that in your knowledge. If we could do that, we wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. But the truth is we can't. And so we are dependent upon God. That's why he says in verse 13, For it's God who is at work in you. There's that inside out. This that God's work in you both to will and to work His good pleasure. God wants to work in you. Now listen, let me tell you something about how God works. God is not a bully or a meanie or whatever else you want to give to that, that person who pushes you around. That's not who God is. He comes as one who has created you who knows you better than anyone else. He's designed you specifically just the way you are. He knows every single thing about you, not just as you are now, but the way you were and the way you will be. He is fully aware of you. With that in mind, we must let him do his work. I can and you can hinder the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. You can handicap Him. Now listen, you said, wait a minute, I thought God was all powerful. God can do whatever God wants to do. And he, you're absolutely right. He can. He's God. But you know what He will never do? He will never force you to do anything. He will always invite you 
to do. He, in, he, he invites us to salvation. He invites us to, to, to acknowledge Jesus as Savior. He invites us to understand that we are sinners. And then He invites us to join Him and to allow Him to work in our life and to, to transform us on the inside. You have, you have the choice. You can say, well, I've been a Christian for 25 years, Tommy. I don't think that that's ever happened in my life. Well, can I tell you something? If you're truly a born-again believer, the Holy Spirit has been handcuffed by you. It's not because he hasn't tried to or wanted to. It's because you haven't let him. And you say, well, how do I do that? How do, how do I let him? You, you use the Word of God to be your anchor. And as you use the Word of God to be your anchor, you find yourself sitting in hospital rooms quoting Scripture because the Holy Spirit of God is working in you and transforming you and bringing those things back to your mind, back to your lips, back to your heart, over and over again. He is doing a work inside of you because you have anchored yourself in the Word of God. It is a inside-out process. It is a divine process. Living that single mind with other believers, living that mind that is totally submissive to the will of God is what enables us to regard our sanctification every day. Every day, you have, as a believer... Now, if you're not a believer, let me tell you, this is, this is not for you, okay? This is not you, but if you are a believer, every day the potential is there for you to be more like Jesus when you go to bed than you were when you got up. But that potential is that are you allowing God to do in you that day what God wants to do in you that day? Or are you waking up with your own agenda, your own plans, your own designs, and you tell God, we'll work on that next week, we'll work on that Sunday, we'll work on that tomorrow, and you go about your daily life not allowing the Holy Spirit of God that's within you to do the work that He wants to do. It's an inside-out process. It's a divine process. But then, here's something else it enables us to do, not only to regard our sanctification, but... He goes on to tell us in verses 14, 15, and 16 that having that single mind, that submissive line, being anchored in the Word of God enables us to refuse to segment. Now, now let let me explain that. Another good word for segment is departmentalize. If we're not careful, here's what you and I will do. We will departmentalize our life into the sacred and into the secular. We'll we'll say, well, well, listen, my salvation, me being a believer, my, my, my relationship with Jesus, it affects this, this, and this, but it doesn't, it doesn't affect this, this, and this. I, I put them, I push them apart. I let it affect my Sunday schedule. I let it affect what I what I may do on uh, certain 
you know, revival nights and things like that. But for the most part, I'm going to put my finances over here as secular. I'll take care of that, Lord. Thank you very much. You take care of the sacred. I'll take care of the secular. And, and Lord, I'll take care of my family and I'll take care of my finances. I'll take care of, I'll take care of this stuff. You take care of that. We try to, se- we try to segment. We try to departmentalize between the secular and the sacred. We have our Christian side of our life, and then we have our day-to-day side of our life. Now, here's where that becomes evident. It becomes evident in the way we act, talk, and think differently when we're around non-believers than when we're around believers. See, that's where we get in trouble. If we, if we act, talk, and think differently around non-believers than we do believers, we have departmentalized or segmented our life. Put it this way. If you act, talk, and think differently around church or church people than you do through the week around your co-workers, you've segmented your life. And a lot of believers have done that, by the way. On Sunday, they are hallelujah, amen, praise God. Let's get our worship on. But not Monday. Monday is gossip. Monday is grumbling. Monday is telling that dirty joke we wanted to tell somebody at church yesterday, but we knew we couldn't. Using language on Monday that we would have never uttered in church on Sunday. Segmented, departmentalized life. Listen to what he says in verses 14 through 16. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach, In the midst of a crooked, perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I'll have reason to glory because I did not run in vain or toil in vain. What what is he saying? When we refuse to segment, that means we have to show the world every day the difference Jesus has made in our life. I need to be the same born-again, saved-by-grace child of God on Monday as I do on Sunday. I need to be the same glorifying God, worshiping attitude on Thursday as I am on Sunday. I need to show the world every day the difference Jesus makes. That's what he's talking about here when he says, don't do things with grumbling. Folks, I want to tell you, he's talking about the world is full of grumbling. The world is full of disputing. The world is full of discontentment. The world is full of it. It's not hard to find someone that wants to complain to you about something, right? It's too hot. It's too cold. It's, you know, they like their job, they, they hate their boss, they, 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 they don't like their pay, they don't, their, their spouse is not acting the way they're supposed to do, their kids have gone nuts. 
the government's doing this and the economy's doing that. And I mean, it's easy. You won't find somebody to grumble. Just tomorrow morning, just walk out into a public place and say hello to someone. How are you? And you know what you're going to get. Well, I've been better. I'm just telling you, buddy, it's not good right now. That president we got, and that governor we got, and I'm just telling you, man, things are bad. I mean, have you seen the price of milk lately? I mean, have you, have you, pumped, have you filled your car up with gas lately? It's easy to find something to grumble about. But listen to what he says. You and I are to be different. Do all things without grumbling. I looked that up. I looked it up in the Greek. Uh, I, I've, I've looked at all the different translations I can find. You know what I have found? That all means all. Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that, isn't that unique? All means all. Do all things without grumbling. He didn't say just go to church without grumbling. He didn't say just go to connect group without grumbling. He didn't say just go to Bible study without grumbling. He didn't say just don't grumble to believers or don't grumble in, you know, around uh, the church members. That's not what he said. He said do all things without grumbling. You know why? Because that makes you different from the rest of the world. I get it. We're grumblers by nature. We're just grumblers by nature. If, if, you know, if, if we're not careful, we're going to always be glass half-empty people. But here's what I want us to understand. We have been saved by grace, forgiven of our sin debt. We have been adopted into the family of God. We have been redeemed by Christ. We have been transported from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We have been pardoned from the depths of hell to the heights of heaven. We have been given something that can't be taken from us, that's, that, that your thieves cannot steal, rust can't erode it away. We have been given something as children of God that is beyond measure. What do we have to grumble about? Well, I'll tell you what I got to grumble about. My pants are too tight. You know what I grumble about? Those of you that work at Food Line, why don't y'all quit carrying those big tubs of ice cream? Come on. Fat people need that stuff. Yeah, I got stuff to grumble about. You do too, by the way. My knees ache and my elbows hurt and my back won't straighten up. Oh, man. Don't we have stuff to grumble about? Yeah, we do. But we also have a lot to praise God about, don't we? We also have a lot to thank God for. We also have a lot to be able to say if we are a child of God, that praise God, this is as close to hell as I'm ever going to get. I am as close to hell right now as I'm ever going to get. It's only, it only gets better from here. It doesn't matter what happens to this body. It doesn't matter what diseases may wreck me. It doesn't matter how much tragedy may enter into my, my, my home and into my family. It does not matter what goes on around me. I am as close to hell as I'm ever going to get because heaven is mine to gain. 
I am headed that way. We have something to praise God about. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Why? Why, Tommy? Why do I have to keep my mind on the things of God? So that you will prove yourselves blameless and innocent children of God above reproach. That's why. That's why. We are to refuse to segment our life. By reminding ourselves over and over again that my job is to show the world every day that there's a difference in me because Jesus has saved me. But that not segmenting also means that I am to shine the light of Jesus on every situation. In other words, I'm not just to show them how much better I am. I am supposed to show them why I'm better. My job is to shine the light of Jesus on, on all things. He, he's telling us to hold fast the word of life. Hold fast the word of life so that we can show this crooked and perverse generation that we are lights. Lights. We are like the stars and the moon who have no light of their own. All we can do is reflect the light of the sun. That's what he's telling us to do. Reflect the light of the Son of God everywhere you go. Show them Jesus. Bring Jesus to light in every situation. No matter how bad it may be, how mundane it may be. Bring Jesus to light on every situation. Our purpose as believers is to shine the light of Jesus in a dark world. I don't know if you've seen the movie, the, the Sound of Freedom, yet Rhonda and I had the privilege of going to see that movie last night. And, and, and it's one of those movies that you're glad, you're glad you've seen it, but you feel bad when you leave. As it shines the light on child sex trafficking throughout the world and the lives that are being destroyed and the evil. And one of the things that they, they tell you at the very end of the movie is that the United States of America, right here where you live, is the largest consumer of child porn in the world. That most sex trafficking of children are being transported here. In our country. They're our neighbors and they're they're on our street and they, they are in our schools and they're in our workplaces and we live in a dark world and, and that's where you and I have a job to do, to bring Jesus to light in every situation. We are to be that shining light, reflecting Jesus to the world that is groping in darkness, that has no hope and, and has no help and has no way of knowing uh, what, that things could ever be any better than they are right now. Your job, my job, shine Jesus in that darkness. They need the church to be the church. They need believers to be lamps and lights reflecting Jesus in a very dark world. In his earthly ministry, Jesus impacted every life that he encountered. And now, and now, He wants to impact every life you encounter. He's wanting His light 
to shine through us that no matter how dark the situation may be or how dark the world may seem, His light pierces through. Segmenting our life helps us to shine His uh, light. Not segmenting our life, excuse me. It keeps us from doing that. So, having that single submissive mind helps us to regard our sanctification. It helps us refuse segmentation. But then lastly, verse 17 and 18. It enables us to rejoice in service. Look at verse 17. But if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. And I urge you, by the way, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Let's not forget where Paul is when he's writing these words. By the time he writes these words, he has been beaten. He's been shipwrecked. He's been imprisoned for preaching the gospel. He's been abandoned by some of his his followers. He's had his character called into question. It's been a very long, difficult ministry when he writes these words. But even in that Roman jail cell, awaiting a trial before Nero of all people, he says rejoice. Rejoice. Most of us would agree that Paul had to endure many trials in service to the kingdom of God. And it would be so easy for us to say, you know, I don't know that I could have done it. And, 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 maybe, and God hasn't called us to do what he called Paul to do. But Paul will tell you in a heartbeat, the only reason I've done what I've done and, and been able to survive is because of the grace of God. You see, he saw service and sacrifice as a means of joy. Now, let's be honest. Most church members see service and certainly sacrifice to the kingdom of God as a chore to be avoided. Man, people, Don, I love you, but people draw up when they see you coming. Working on behalf of, of getting people in place for our nominating process. They see Don coming, they go, oh, I just remembered I got something over here I got to do. I'm going to look down, Don. I'm going to make eye contact with you. Maybe you won't ask me to do something this year. If you don't, if you don't believe that, just ask anyone who's ever had the job of seeking out servants and volunteers in various church ministries. They'll tell you that same thing. You become the plague during a certain time of the year. People run from you. If you don't believe it, just look at the ratio of the number of people in any given church that are members to the number of people who are serving in that church. By the way, First Baptist Church Locust, 
our ratio is one out of five. So look around the room. Out of every five people that you see, one of them is serving. One. Now, you may be one of those that is. That's great. I'm hoping you are. And God bless you if you are. But that means a large majority of those who make up the body of Christ are missing out on the joy of knowing that they're serving. Folks, can I tell you where the joy comes from? It doesn't come from the fact that I see my name on a list that's voted on by the church. The joy is not in being able to tell all my friends that I do this, 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 and this in the church. The joy comes from knowing that I get to serve the master. I get to serve his bride. This is the bride of Christ. And I want to tell you something as a husband. Us husbands love our brides. And we protect our brides. And we take joy in our brides. And can I tell you, God takes joy in his bride. You are part of the bride of Christ. You get to serve the bride of Christ. There's where the joy comes from. Is it always fun? No! (laughs) I'll be honest with you, it's not always fun. Is it always full of recognition? (laughs) You know the answer to that. No. But if the only reason you serve is for fun and recognition, you're doing it for the wrong reason. How could Paul have such joy from a jail cell? Number one, he knew he was making a difference for the kingdom of God. And number two, he knew he was making a difference in the lives of other people. That's why service is so important. We need you. We need you. When I say we, I'm talking about the, this, this church that makes up this body of believers who is part of the bride of Christ. We need you. There's joy in service. I want you to listen to the last words that Paul ever wrote. You want to know why he had joy in service? For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. And in the future there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. That's why we serve. It's a joy to serve the Lord. So here's how I want to close our time together today. How is your relationship with Jesus making a difference in your daily life? Or does it? Maybe once you walk out of these doors, you chameleon into every man and every place. Maybe you blend right in with the lost workers that you are around. Maybe you blend right in with the lost community that you may live in. Maybe you blend right in. Or maybe you're a light. That walks into the, everywhere you go, wherever the darkness is, you take the light of Jesus with you. What difference 
is your relationship with Jesus having in your daily life? Do you regard your sanctification every day? I mean, are you allowing the Holy Spirit of God to do His work in you? Every day, do you refuse to segment the sacred from the secular by showing the world the difference that Jesus has made in your life? What makes you stand out from everybody else? And every day, do you rejoice because you are serving His kingdom and embracing the privilege that you've been given to serve the body of Christ? In just a moment, we're going to stand, we're going to sing. Jesus did not save us just to go to heaven. Oh, that's a glorious part of it. But if that's the only reason he saved us, then the minute you became a Christian, he would have took you out of this world and brought you on to heaven. So why are you here, believer? Why did he leave you on this earth? Why, why did he leave you here after you came to Christ? Why? Because he wants not only to transform your life through sanctification, He wants to use you to shine the light of Christ to a dark world and to serve his body. That's why you're here. One of these days, you and I are going to come to our end if the Lord tarries his return. One of these days, I mean, we got three funerals this week. Three. Can I tell you something? Life turns on a dime, folks. On a dime. And one of these days, somebody's going to be planning your funeral, and they've got to think of what they're going to write in your obituary. <laughs> what are they going to put? What a good worker you were, and you, know, you, you did great at your job. You were employed here for so many years, and you earned that many awards at your work. And, or, or can they write, this person was a, a light in a dark world, and a true servant of God to the body of Christ. Can they say those things about you truthfully? Oh, I, you, you, one thing I've learned, I'll share it with you. This, this one's free. You ready? You are writing your eulogy right now. Did you know that? You're writing your eulogy right now. That's not something that takes place once you've gone. You're writing it right now. I know what my wife's going to put on my, my tombstone. Ice cream finally got him. For all I know, she's going to have me cremated and put in a tub, uh, an empty tub of ice cream and buried somewhere. I don't know. But what difference does Jesus make in your daily life? You know what? Maybe he hasn't made much of a difference in the past. Today's a brand new day. Today's a brand new day. As the old saying goes, today's the first day of the rest of your life. What are you going to do tomorrow that's different from what you did last week? Let's pray. Lord, forgive us of where we may have hindered your work in our life. Lord, you want to do so much in us. 
First of all, Lord, I pray for the one that might be sitting in this room right now. They're, they know all about you. They, can, they may be even able to quote some scripture. They, they know all the stories. But they've never allowed you to have access to their life. They've never come to that point where they understood that they're a sinner dying and headed for hell and that their only hope is you, Jesus. May today be that day when they understand that no matter how good they try to be, that they'll never earn their way into heaven. May today be the day that they turn to you, Lord Jesus, as their only hope, as their Savior, as they surrender their life to you. Lord, for that believer that may be hindering the work that you want to do in their life, Lord, may today, may all those hindrances fall. Lord, for that believer who has segmented their life into the secular and the sacred, may the, today be the day when everything becomes sacred. This is the day that you have created. Lord, help us to love you every day, serve you every day, shine your light every day, to share your love every day. Lord, I pray for that when it's missing out on the joy of service. They've laid aside their, their desires to, to get involved. Too many other things going on right now. Too many other things they want to do. Too many other places they want to go. Too many other things they want their attention in. And Lord, they're missing out on the great joy of serving the body of Christ. And of serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. How I pray that today, Lord, will be a day of change. Not change that we make, but Lord, we changes we allow you to make in us. So that going forward from this day forward, Lord, that we will be that light in a dark world. Growing in our spiritual maturity. Joyfully serving the body. Lord, do, do today what only you can do. Grow us to be who you want us to be. Thank you, Lord, that you love us in spite of our faults and our failures. And I pray, Lord, that today is a day of grace and mercy. But also today is a day of commitment. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.
as your will unfolds in my life, in living every day, by the power of your love, hold me close, let your love surround me. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. God bless you. Uh, Kevin, you got that sign-up sheet with you? Uh, well, I'm going to say I'll just let you stay right where you are. If you, if you want to see Kevin and have any questions about uh, what he announced earlier, he'll be right here. You can come see him and, and go ahead and put your name on the list, uh, Chris High, if you want to. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, with the ski shooting, all right? Thank you again for being here. God bless you. Let's, let's close with a word of prayer. Our Father and our God, thank you. You are all-powerful. You have all knowledge, all wisdom, all understanding. Lord, you don't need us, but you want us. And for that, we're so grateful. Lord, you want to walk, you, you walk with us. You want to work in us. You want to work through us. And we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you that you want us to be a part of what you're doing. You want us to experience the, the joy of living a life that brings you glory. And I pray, Lord, that we leave here today with that as our determination and our resolution that, Lord, from this point forward, our life is totally surrendered to you, that you can do whatever you want to in us. And, Lord, we will follow you. We'll do what you call for us to do, whatever it may be, whatever that looks like, that, Lord, we're surrendered to you. Lord, thank you again for the opportunity to be in this house of worship. Be with each one as they travel home today, Lord. Keep them safe. Be with the families that are going to be having funerals this week, Lord, and those that are grieving. We pray for them. 
Thank you for how you're using this church to minister to those families. And Lord, we pray that you'll bless those who, who do so. Dismiss us now with your great love as our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.